I'm Russ White at the Network Collective, and this is a Network Collective short take. In this short take, I'll be talking about long tail denial of service attacks. The kinds of denial of service attacks that we're familiar with today attempt to overwhelm some network facing resource. For instance, input queues can be filled up by a lot of traffic being thrown at a router a firewall or some other service or device very quickly. You can fill up the buffer space in a router or a server of some kind, or you can just consume all the bandwidth available on a downstream link between a provider and the service that you're trying to shut down. By sending a large amount of traffic to the system under attack from a large number of compromised devices, you can actually overwhelm one of these resources. This is why it's called a distributed denial of service attack, because you normally distribute the attack and source the, the traffic from a lot of different sources that have much lower bandwidth available. An alternative way to do a, a, a distributed denial of service attack is to reflect traffic from a moderate number of devices which have high-speed internet connectivity, large amounts of available resources, such as DNS servers or network time servers. DNS servers are an old favorite of distributed denial of service attacks for reflection because they tend to be really, really well connected and have a lot of bandwidth and a lot of server resources. When I first got into networking, however, there was a different kind of denial of service attack that was very common. In these, you would try to consume all of a specific resource in a system. For instance, the ability to build buffers to send SYN acts in a system by doing a SYN flood attack. Or you could overcome the bandwidth available between the control plane and the hardware switching platform by sending control plane packets at a very high rate or MD5 packets that were incorrectly signed. The number of available sockets, copies of data structures, these were all very common targets. These attacks have largely receded in modern times because they only attack one operating system or protocol stack. And you have to know that protocol stack or that operating system pretty well to know exactly how many SYN packets to send in order to cause the SYN flood effect of shutting down the ability of that operating system to accept more TCP sessions. Bandwidth attacks, however, are very, very easy to launch in the modern internet. That's why they're very common now. You can go to a web page and order up a bandwidth attack for some amount of money, and it will just flood one particular device or one particular service with a lot of traffic really, really fast. This causes, of course, the service to shut down. Bandwidth-based attacks also yield impressive numbers. This gives you a really big media win. If your intention is to get a lot of attention, then you can do a bandwidth-based attack, and it shows up in the headlines like, oh, you, you saw a two terabit attack or something like that. This is really, really important if your point is to get the attention of someone. These other attacks, however, the ones I was talking about in the older days, where you're trying to disable a device by consuming a certain number of buffers or something like that, are called long tail denial of service attacks, or more commonly, just tail attacks. These attack the system at some point where a long tail of resources makes the system vulnerable. Now, it's normally done, again, on an internet-facing resource, like a router or something like that, a, a, an Apache server or some host sitting there. However, it is possible sometimes to reach inside of a multi-stage system and try to re exhaust the resources inside the system. A group of researchers from Louisiana State University and the Georgia Institute of Technology wondered if they could make tail attacks easier on these multi-stage types of implementations. 
it is if it is possible to characterize the system in some way, a multi-stage system, which we'll, we'll get to in just a second, you can maybe make it where you can get it to the point where you don't need a lot of internal knowledge to launch a long tail attack. Well, this is what the researchers focused on. They actually focused on web applications because these are so very, very common. For those who are not familiar with the architecture of a web application, this illustration might be helpful. A typical web application will have at least three stages. The first will be some sort of a modified web server that terminates the user session and renders the content by building the HTML and CSS and etc. that needs to be sent to the user's browser in order to render a particular page. The second will gather information from backend services. This is like an intermediate service. In this case, all it does is it gathers a lot of information from a lot of different backend services and it builds the information and sends it to the modified web server or the front end service that allows it to build that rendering information for the user's web browser. The third stage will be storage and other services. Now, the second stage will query this stage. This is normally a bunch of different microservices that sit back here and provide specific information. Here, this is just shown as a set of storage nodes. Now, it more than likely would actually be, as I said before, a group of microservices or something like that. Normally, the interface between these stages, between the first stage and the second stage, and the second stage and the third stage, would be considered safe because they're not accessible from the internet. Therefore, the resources in these stages tend to be much more finely tuned to the application. This saves resources on the back end in terms of server processing power, bandwidth, and also tunes the application to run much, much faster. However, this does not mean that this interface cannot be attacked. If an attacker could find some way to overwhelm the interface between the storage and the service nodes in this example, they could ex execute a long tail attack against the system. This long tail attack could cause the system to be either shut down or slowed down with a relatively small amount of traffic. These internal attack surfaces then these internal interfaces then represent hidden attack surfaces, but how easy is it to attack these hidden surfaces? The researchers in this case sent small bursts of traffic to many user-facing services. They timed these bursts of requests to hit the servers at a time and to make a specific kind of request so that many different user-facing servers would make the same kind of request at the same time. This can cause the queues to back up between the user-facing and back-end servers. For instance, let's say that you're looking at a social media site and 1,000 different people or even 1 million different user accounts request the friend list for a particular person on that social media site. All of those millions of requests are going to hit the backend servers at the same time if you time them correctly and cause the backend microservices that provide that friends list or that connection list to actually time out and to bog down. This can shut the entire service down if it's done correctly. And once you build a tool that is successful against one system, at least this is what they found, you can adapt the tool through random iteration of various kinds of requests. You could request a connection list this time, or a job list the next time, or everybody who works for a particular company the next time, or everyone who lives in a particular city the next time. And again, you just hit all of the external user-facing service servers with the same request at the same time, and you time it such that it builds up the queues in these back-end services. You can adapt the tool through random iteration of various kinds of requests, just trying different requests at scale until you find another one that will cause the system to fail. 
It's hard to see what kind of defense can be mounted against these kinds of attacks. It would be almost impossible to detect at the edge because all you're seeing is a million different requests for the same information, just timed in a very specific way. It'd be very hard to figure out whether this was just totally random coincidence or if this was actually an attack of some kind. More research is clearly needed in this area and it's something that network engineers should be very worried about and try to understand how to counter or understand at least these attacks on web scale systems. Well, that's it for this time. So visit us at thenetworkcollective.com for more content that will help you build your cognitive and metacognitive skills as a network engineer. While you are there, check out our membership, which unlocks even more great content, as well as access to an awesome community of network engineers. And remember, you can always find me at rule11.tech. Thanks.